Hello. Welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined this week after our summer break by Agne Rakauskaita, who is Portfolio Manager of the Sustainable Food Strategies at Impacts Asset Management. Welcome, Agne. Thank you. Great to be here. So like I said, we'll be discussing sustainable food, and I guess I'd like to start by putting this in the context of everything I imagine we're all thinking about when it comes to the implications, the impact over the medium and long term of the pandemic, of the lockdowns, and everything else. And I think crucially now we're trying to differentiate between what are some of the short-term impacts and then what are going to be longer lasting. So on one hand, uh, hopefully most of us are able to go out and about and eager to get back to restaurants and, and travel a bit. And that part of it will ideally get back to uh, a normal that we recognize. On the other hand, when it comes to working, I think we appreciate that things are going to be fundamentally very different in the future, working from home uh, to some degree permanently for a lot of us. We maybe think a little bit less about the impacts uh, around food, uh, how we eat what we eat, how we get the food that we eat. And, and that's what I think we'd like to focus on today. So first question to you, Agne, what impact exactly have you seen from COVID, particularly on consumer behavior? And what are some of the lasting changes you expect? What we've seen so far is that the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated some of the consumer trends that, we, that were happening already. And that's because consumers have become much more aware of the link between food and their own health. And in some cases, the link between obesity and health complications related to COVID. One of the most notable changes that we're seeing is the shift away from heavily processed foods towards foods that are more natural. Whereas in the past, consumers were more influenced by price and the power of brands, their focus is now shifting. It's shifting to the food itself, the ingredients, how the food is produced, and where it comes from. The pandemic has also caused the consumers to become much more aware of the importance of nutrition for their immune systems. And that's helping to drive interest in nutritional supplements, such as probiotics. We see many investment opportunities, but specialty ingredient companies are really in the sweet spot here. They help to enable the production of more functional foods and help manufacturers to reformulate their products, for example, by taking out salt and sugar while maintaining the product's taste profile. And over the longer term, as we look beyond COVID-19, we expect um, these positive shifts to be permanent and for demand to settle into elevated levels, particularly as these products now appeal to, to a broader set of consumers. Another big shift that we're seeing uh, that has also been accelerated by the pandemic is the shift to more plant-based diets. We're seeing consumers increasingly make the choice to reduce consumption of environmentally harmful products like meat and dairy and to replace those with plant-based alternatives. Take, for example, uh, plant-based meats. That market used to be very niche, and just a few years ago, the addressable market was tiny. It was limited only to vegans and vegetarians, and because of that, there was quite little innovation in this space, and the product quality was frankly quite poor. So what's different now? Well, the products are becoming mainstream, and what's behind that is a few things. Firstly, I already mentioned greater consumer awareness, especially over the environmental and health impacts of meat consumption. Secondly, as the addressable market grows, we're seeing more product development. Products have now become uh, products now have better taste and nutritional profiles. 
And finally, there, there was a key breakthrough that happened just a couple of years ago, which, uh, which really helped to launch these products into the mainstream. There was a strategic change to the way that the products are merchandised in store, away from very slow-moving frozen and specialty aisles into fresh meat aisles. So the products basically sat alongside meat, and it made these products much more visible to the consumer. And just to finish, another consumer habit that we would expect to be quite sticky as we exit the pandemic restrictions is people continuing to cook and entertain more at home, more so than they did pre-COVID. And that's largely going to be driven by a shift to more flexible working. That's a, a really interesting comment. I, I mentioned initially working from home, but then the implications of being more at home for work means that we're cooking more at home. So you're, you're very right to highlight that. Uh, separately, when we think of the implications of the pandemic and uh, a lot of what we've been focused on recently are also the supply chain disruptions from the lockdowns and then even during reopening, uh, that a lot of these disruptions have been uh, surprisingly persistent. Uh, I think a lot of us think initially about the lack of supply of semiconductors and the impact that that's had on auto production. Uh, at the same time, we're now seeing quite a bit around the impact on labor markets, lack of supply to some degree, if you will, of workers and, for example, truck drivers. And, and so there's been issues with food distribution, I would imagine, because of the lack of capacity. Question then is, what impact have you seen from COVID on food supply chains globally? And then what does that all mean for investors? Well, first of all, the pandemic highlighted some real weaknesses in various parts of the supply chain. For example, we saw significant interruptions to the flow of crop inputs, partly because international borders were closed. But another widely reported issue last year around April or May was the disruption to meat packing and the subsequent meat shortages that we saw on the shelves. Many slaughterhouses and meat processing plants were forced to shut because they became COVID hotspots. We saw this all over the globe, although it was most severe in the US because the industry there is just that much more consolidated. On the other hand, uh, we were very encouraged that other parts of the supply chain were incredibly resilient and adapted quickly. For example, at the very start of the pandemic, food retailers wanted to ensure that there's food on the shelves. And so they did various things to cope. For example, they asked suppliers to prioritize a few core products. So instead of having 10 options for orange juice on the shelf, you only had one or two. They standardized pack sizes. They, they cut innovation just to ensure that there's sufficient food on the shelves. Also, uh, when restaurants were forced to shut down, most of those volumes were very quickly diverted into food retail. The pandemic also highlighted that those companies that had more control over their supply chains, those that were perhaps vertically integrated, fared a lot better. So as we look ahead, we would expect a few lasting changes. And I think the key thing is going to be ensuring supply chain resilience, just to make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. We would expect companies to invest in vertical integration, but another solution is for supply chains to become more local. We may also see more investments in controlled environment agriculture, especially in countries that rely heavily on food imports. But another priority will be to reduce food waste along the value chain, whether it's during transportation or storage. If I can go back to something I mentioned at the beginning uh, about the distinction between near-term and long-term changes, 
I think one thing that perhaps we've been somewhat disappointed by in the recovery this year is we'd kind of hoped earlier that with the vaccines, things would would normalize more quickly. But of course, with the Delta variant, uh, things are getting prolonged and we're not quite as optimistic. What do you see as some of the near-term challenges that are ahead of us and how are you navigating them? Well, in the near term, a very important factor to consider is inflation. Um, whether it's raw materials or freight, labor, packaging costs, those risks are being flagged by multiple participants along the value chain. And it's impacting, it's impacting different players in the value chain very differently, actually. So, for example, agricultural equipment manufacturers are beneficiaries of strong crop prices, whereas further downstream, for food producers, higher cost inflation may lead to gross margin pressure. So as investors, we believe that the best way to navigate in this environment is to um, is to invest across the value chain. Um, we believe that that approach allows us um, to, to best diversify this risk. And finally, uh, we're focused on business models that have greater ability to pass through higher costs, for example, because, uh, because they have passed through contracts or those business models that are vertically integrated. Okay, thank you very much, Agne. If I can summarize a bit uh, what you shared with us, what, what we've all learned, certainly what I've learned, is that as in many things, the pandemic has accelerated to some degree what were already pre-existing trends around the consumer. Uh, it's had arguably positive impacts in that there's a greater awareness now about the link between food and health, given that we've all become rather more sensitive uh, about our health and conscious uh, of our health and uh, focus on obesity. So another positive impact of the pandemic in the same way perhaps we see a positive impact in better work-life balance than we had prior to COVID. We also see, uh, you pointed out that there's now less sensitivity, less focus on solely pricing and branding and more of a focus on nutrition. Uh, and part and parcel of that has been an increased interest in plant-based foods as we think not only about the nutritional impacts, but also the impact on the environment. Some of the other lessons that have been learned with the pandemic has been a focus on the weaknesses that had existed in supply chains, for example, meatpacking, uh, notably in the U.S. And again, one of the positive consequences of the pandemic should be that we have more resilient supply chains in the future and should be better prepared. Another example of a trend where the pandemic seems to have accelerated what was already there previously, we think about deglobalization that had been going on for quite a while. And you highlighted that supply chains are probably going to become more local in the future again to increase that resilience. In terms of challenges, uh, inflation, not surprisingly, is a big one. It's a concern for investors quite broadly. Uh, but you highlighted that inflation could be good and bad. If, if you're a, a food producer, inflation is not necessarily a bad thing. So you have to be very conscious of, of how companies benefit or are hurt by inflation and how they can either take advantage of that or mitigate it. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like more information, please check out our Investors Corner blog or reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Agne for sharing her insights. Please join us next week when I'll be speaking with David Bushusha about our private debt and real asset strategies, which is also quite relevant uh, in this world where we're more concerned about inflation. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management.
Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.